You're listening to the Habitology Podcast with Melanie White, and today I am interviewing Sarah Rusbatch. Hi, Sarah. Lovely to have you here on the podcast today. Hi, Melanie. It's lovely to be here. Thank you. And I'm really interested in talking to you because you're developing your coaching business at the moment and you have a niche that you're quite uh, connected with and it sounds like you're very passionate about making a difference in this area. So I thought it would be a great way to illustrate one of the many ways that coaching can be applied and also to find out a little bit more about your vision and where you'd like to take your business. Does that sound okay? Yeah, sure, that's fine. All right, so could you tell us a little bit about your niche to start with? Sure. So my niche is looking at um, working predominantly with women, um, because I guess that's what relates to my own story. And that's where I can kind of um, picture my ideal client sort of being in, in that um, same area as where I was, um, who have got to a point where perhaps they're drinking more than they want to. Um, they're drinking to a point that isn't making them feel so good about themselves anymore. Um, but because we do live in such an alcohol-centric society, it's actually really hard to, to stop doing that when it's become quite a habit um, and when it's become something that everyone around you is doing all of the time and that everyone expects you to be doing um, when you're socialising. Um, and it's something that I um, addressed in myself. Um, I stopped drinking about 18 months ago. Um, and it really did have a massive impact on my life in, in so many ways. And I'm now really passionate about spreading that word and, and letting people know that there is actually um, another way to live. And, and of course, I appreciate that for some people, they're absolutely happy with the, the level that they're drinking at and they don't want to change that. And of course, I'm not preaching and that's definitely not my, um, my philosophy. But when I was contemplating um, giving up alcohol I didn't have anyone at that point talking in the way that I'm talking now and showing me the way I had to really look for that um, and so I want to be that person for other people who perhaps um, do want a bit of help and a bit of support um, with addressing um, how much they're drinking and, and how to to reframe that. Right and as you describe that I'm hearing it's clearly not somebody who's ready for Alcoholics Anonymous and no, it's not absolutely. somebody that's enjoying a bit of social drinking. It's somebody that you said, I think, is feeling like within themselves, they're just drinking a little bit too much and it's having an impact on how they feel about themselves. And it's something that's where I'm from in the UK, it's been talked about a lot and they call it alcohol use disorder um, or grey area drinking. So it's that whole area where people... Um, don't identify themselves perhaps as alcoholics which I think is a whole other conversation of what is an alcoholic yeah. um, but I think that people don't are not drinking every single day they don't have a physical dependence to drink every single day mm. but they are definitely drinking more than the recommended um, guidelines and they're definitely using alcohol as a crutch to perhaps help either um, relieve stress or um escape emotions that they're feeling that they don't want to be feeling um or finding that once they start drinking they really struggle to stop and they're always having more than they ever set out or intended to so that kind of area which is definitely where I was before I stopped okay so it's just that little bit past the comfortable level yes. and, and and noticing that it is a problem and I think one other thing I heard you say was that there are people who are going out socially and there are these expectations of others that perhaps they don't know how to manage. They don't know how to set boundaries 
in a social context, perhaps. Absolutely. And that was one of the hardest um, things for me was um, how other people reacted to me. And I was really shocked at I didn't think it was anybody else's business or that anyone would be in any way concerned as to whether I was drinking or not. But um, they really were. And people had a lot to say on the matter. And mm. I would get told, um, let's catch up when you're drinking again. Um, or <laughs> when, when are you going to stop being so boring? Um, yeah, things along those lines. Um, because I think that we are just in a society where um, it is just expected that any social occasion um, will have alcohol. And and I think that there's a stigma around if you don't have alcohol, you're not going to have a good time. And that's mm. what I'm really keen to, to to show people that you can still have a really active and full social life without alcohol. Mm, interesting. And how did you feel when people were saying those things to you? Horrified. It was, um, yeah, it was, it was really, because it's hard. It's hard to, to, to not drink. And it's really hard when your friends are making you feel like they don't approve of you not drinking and they're not being fully mm. supportive. Um, and yeah, there was a lot of debate around, a lot of people would say to me, but why don't you just have one? Mm. And I was like, well, A, why is it any of your business whether I have one or none? Um, and B, and I've never been someone that really wanted to ever just have one. Like I've always loved having a few drinks and I'll probably have I would always have one or two more and one or two more and so for me it was so much easier to have none than to just have one or two um but people some people yeah just really didn't get that at all it's interesting isn't it it says more about them than it does about you it's they're uncomfortable with you're not drinking and they feel like they need to do something to make themselves feel better is how absolutely. I I kind of look at that yeah absolutely yeah, I, I, I can think of two occasions a bit like that that stand out for me and not for me directly, but with others. I remember maybe seven or eight years ago when Facebook groups were first a thing, I was in this group called um, Clean Eating, I think it was called. And one of the moderators came into the group and she had 30,000 members. It was a huge group. Wow. And she said uh, she'd gone out on the weekend and said she what didn't want to drink. It was trying to drink less alcohol. And one of her friends said, what are you, pregnant? And yeah. what's wrong with you? Yeah. Why aren't you drinking? Like, yeah. what's wrong with you? Yeah. And I thought, whoa, yeah. that's that's amazing. And, and then we had this whole discussion on the thread about judgment. And then more recently, one of my clients stopped drinking for eight weeks because she was eating a, a special way, trying to lose some weight. And um, one of her friends was pressuring her and saying, why aren't you drinking? And she said, well, I don't want to drink with eight weeks for eight weeks and she said well why not why can't you just have yeah. one that same thing you've said and she was saying because I don't want to and they ended up having a falling out they'd been friends yeah. for 20 years and the friend could not accept that her friend was not drinking for eight weeks yeah she took it yeah. personally it was incredible yeah it's I've, and I just wasn't expecting that like I had when I stopped drinking it was it was my journey and my thing like and it's um in quite a lot of the sober groups that I'm in, people say, well, if you turn around and said that you were stopping smoking, people would be like, good on you, well done. Or if you said, I'm giving up cocaine, everyone would be like, well, go on, well, good for you. But as soon as you say alcohol, it's the only thing that you can give up and people would say, oh, come on, just have one. Yeah. Um, which it's always quite astonishing, isn't it? I agree. And actually, to be fair, I have heard this same conversation in my, in my weight loss program that I've run in the past where people would come in and say, oh, I'm not, 
I don't eat that food or I don't want any cake and people saying go on just a skinny slice won't hurt why won't you what's wrong with you and so I've have heard that similar conversation around food and once again I think it's more about the person who is not is is eating the food or drinking the drink that yeah. feels uncomfortable about oh now it's just me they've got no one to share the guilt with as I call it yeah, absolutely absolutely and at the beginning I used to have to kind of get my ready-made little black book of excuses those I was prepared for when I would start to get grilled and sometimes mm. I couldn't be bothered and I would just say I'm on antibiotics or I'd say I'm training for a triathlon and I just don't want to drink for a little while because I've got to get up early to train but then I just got to the point where I was like why should I be having to justify in that way and actually lie about the fact that I just don't want to drink just so others yeah. can accept my reason if it's a reason that they can understand then they're okay with it but if you're just saying I'm choosing not to drink a lot of people just don't understand that mm, it's almost like just saying no thanks is really all you need to say I guess is what, what yeah. you're saying yeah 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 so um so that yeah was definitely an interesting part of the the process for me and what sorts of symptoms were you experiencing like if you're thinking about the types of people you're working with and, and they are where you were in the past, what sorts of things would they be noticing as signs or symptoms that they need to do something or that they are ready to do something? Yeah, so I think for me, um, as soon as I hit 40, it was that typical thing of I started to get really bad hangovers. Um, I've never really got hangovers in my 20s and 30s. I had pretty much sailed through it. Um, and then it was as if I, as soon as I hit 40, I started to get really bad hangovers. It was really affecting my sleep. So I would just have, even just having two glasses of wine, I would be awake at 3am, um, just restless, just couldn't get back to sleep. Um, mm -hmm. Depending on how much I had had to drink, I might have a dry mouth, need to get up and have water, but it was really affecting me. And I'm someone that really needs my sleep. Um, and so that was having then a real negative impact the next day because I was tired and grumpy. Um, I was feeling, I definitely started to feel um, a little bit depressed the next day which I'd never had before I would have a bit of anxiety um I would sometimes worry about what I'd said the night before and I would sit kind of ruminating over it which I'd never done before and it was mm. just something that just in my 40s it it felt like it had gone from drinking had been something that had been fun um and something that I did with all of my friends but then I could see that my body was starting to give me signs that um that there had to be some other way. And I just felt like even just having a small amount of alcohol, I would feel so rubbish the next day. And I wasn't being the mum that I wanted to be. I wasn't being the wife that I wanted to be. Mm. I was kind of getting through the weekend, but not being present in the weekend, if that makes sense. Um, and then it would be back to school, back to work. Um, and I never really drank during the week. So that was that, but you're so busy, you know, keeping your head above water with kids activities and work and pick up and, and everything else. So the week would go by and then it would be the weekend again. And then I was like, I, there has to be another way to live than just having this low level feeling of a bit of anxiety, a bit of depression, um, bad sleep, tired, making bad food choices because I was a little bit hungover. So not eating the food that I wanted to be eating that I knew made me feel good. And then with that came a bit of guilt um, so all of that started to happen and that was when I, I kind of had those first signs of going maybe this the alcohol is the thing that needs to change because everything right. led back to that 
It's interesting you mentioned food there. Was the food a consequence of being too tired to want to make healthy food or was it while you were drinking you were making unhealthy choices or a combination or something different? Um, no, it was definitely the next day. So I was never someone that ate um, and drank at the same time. I just drank. So I wasn't uh, someone who would sit, you know, and get out all the biscuits and the crisps. Yeah. Alcohol for me just never made me hungry. Whereas I know with others, they get real munchies and I yeah. want to eat all the chips. But for me, it was the next day. And maybe because I hadn't eaten much the night before, then the next day um, mm. I would just crave um, really bad food. And because I was tired and feeling a bit rubbish, I didn't, I couldn't not give in to that craving. And so it was, um, you know, eating the foods that I would never normally eat. Um, and that, that didn't make me feel good about myself either. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can relate to that. I can think of times where I've, but, but not exactly that way. Like the next day I may not eat that well, but for me, when I have a, too much alcohol, then I want carbs, I want sugar, yeah. which obviously makes the sleep worse. So I, I remember even as a, a young person drinking one night with my boyfriend and we'd had a full dinner, it was midnight and I ate a whole family pizza to myself Yeah. at midnight. Like yeah. that's a lot of pizza. And yeah. I just had this intense craving for carbs and I couldn't stop eating it. I was so full, but I just kept going and going. And I, th I think part of it was that maybe the lack of inhibition around the alcohol. Yeah. which is something you've alluded to in in maybe in social contexts as well but then this craving as well as not having an off switch was a diabolical combination yeah 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 absolutely mm. and so how much do you think when and maybe it's not possible to put a limit on it or amount on it but what does somebody in this zone actually drink is it how many standard drinks a day or is it a certain number of days or does it not really matter? Is there no particular trend you've noticed? I don't think it matters. And I think it just is whatever is the number for you that is crossing the line of being, taking mm. you out of feeling comfortable and happy with how much you're drinking to the point where it's having um, a terrible effect. And that, might, that number will be different for everyone. Um, some people drink every single day, um, a bottle or two of wine a night. Some people might only drink on a Friday and have two or three bottles and then feel so terrible for the three days after. So I don't think there's any rule around that. I think it's just when you are questioning yourself, mm. am I drinking too much? That probably means you are, if it's even come up as a question at all. Yeah, that's a great, great way of looking at it. Great indicator. Is there your own concern that you feel you're, you've stretched outside your... Yeah healthy zone or your comfortable zone or whatever that is yeah yeah, yeah. and I, I heard you say earlier you'd have a couple of glasses of wine only and then not be able to sleep from three o'clock yeah so that's an indication too I guess there's also as you're in that or if you're in that perimenopause or menopause age you've got all of this other stuff going on and it just seems to compound things like the hot flushes I know if I have alcohol yeah. one glass of anything I'm going to get hot that night at least once, wake up a bit flushed. Yeah, absolutely. And I've just finished reading a book on perimenopause that pretty much says that if you want to kind of have the, the least impact of some of those symptoms, then cutting out alcohol is one of the first things to do. Um, because when your hormones are so imbalanced, um, your body just can't also cope with having to, to break down the alcohol that you're taking in. And that will then have you know more of a knock-on effect on things like hot flushes, um, impact your sleep, um, impact your mood, things like that. Mm. 
It's quite an important time of life, I suppose, too. I mean, if you're going through hormonal changes, and that's women and men go through menopause, you know, in their 40s or 50s, um, you're kind of, I feel like you're at a crossroads. You're saying, am I going to continue doing what I'm doing and head down the path of setting myself up for chronic disease? Or am I going to take the initiative now and nip things in the bud? Absolutely. What are your thoughts on that? I totally agree. And I think that most people who I know who are asking themselves that question are in their 40s or 50s um, and are just have got to that point where perhaps, you know, the hangovers haven't been as bad before um, and then they're starting to feel worse or, or it might be a whole host of reasons. It might be that they're wanting to lose weight. It might be, you know, lots of different reasons, but mm. it definitely has got to the point where alcohol is not serving them anymore in the way that it used to just be a fun social aid to, you know, increase your, your fun on a night out. It just then becomes a bit different. Um, and, and you start to see the negatives of it, whereas perhaps before you haven't. Mm, right. So the, the negatives are starting to outweigh the positives. Yeah. Feel and good in the moment and feel yeah. terrible for the next three days. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that was one of my techniques, which now that I've started learning um, and doing the coaching qualification, I've realised I was using, but I didn't couldn't put it into words at the time, which was, they always talk in the in many of the sober groups of playing it forward. So when you have that real craving of wanting to have a drink, play it forward. How are you going to feel that next morning? Like when you wake up, you know, with the hangover, you're not going to get all the things done that you wanted to do. You're going to be, you know, feel all these different things. So that was always the thing that I would do was, you know, the cravings still come even now. And it's been nearly 18 months since I have a drink. And, you know, in a certain situation, wow. I feel like, oh, now but then all I have to do is go yeah and think how nice it'll be at three in the morning when you're wide awake and think how nice <laughs> it'll be at 6am when the kids are jumping on the bed and think you know and, and, this, and then when you start to do that you actually realize for the fleeting moment of happiness or joy or whatever it is that you get from that glass of wine is it worth it um, and in the end for me it passed that tipping point where it wasn't worth it anymore. so good so you're talking about really looking at the longer term gain rather than the short-term fix or, or benefit. Yeah. yeah. Looking longer term at how it's affecting you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I wish that I'd had more support to articulate some of that when I was going through it, because I've realized now through the coaching that I've been doing that that's exactly what I was doing. And there's so many of the coaching techniques that I've realized now can be applied to this situation and that's why it's got me so passionate and excited about it because I can see how much um, support it could give to other people who were in the same situation that I was. Yeah absolutely and just building on that something you said is is that you still have cravings now and I guess that what came to mind when you said that is that whole um, micro habits or atomic habits as James Clear calls them you know if you think about something like smoking and all of the situations in which someone smokes when they wake up after a meal when they're drinking when they're stressed before bed you know there are all those little tiny situations where someone might be triggered to have a cigarette or want to crave one and all of those are micro habits that need to be unraveled and rewired and it's the same with alcohol right you drink when you're tired, you drink when you're stressed, you drink when you're this or that, and you get this immediate feeling, good feeling, and your brain's fighting with you saying, I want that good feeling, and you're going, yeah. no, you can't have it, and then there's deprivation, and but there are yeah. all of those many situations that you may not even realise are a trigger for you, not just the visible ones, but the unconscious ones too, right? 
absolutely and 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 I think that it's the more that you practice and then we we call it like flexing that sober muscle it's kind of like the more you practice the the first all those sober first the first Christmas the first holiday the first girls night out the first hem weekend just any of those things and once you get through it it's just another thing that you've done to kind of retrain your brain to mm. um to to condition yourself that you can go and do those things without alcohol and you can still have a really good time mm-hmm. and so sarah how are you feeling now that you've been sober for 18 months what's the difference in your life so many. Um, so the differences are, I think, um, so I've lost a lot of weight um, because I haven't had the um, Sunday morning trips to Macca's for the um, the yeah. bacon and egg McMuffins and uh-huh. all the rest of it. So I think I've lost about 12 kilos now. Um, wow. And I have been, I, I was always an exerciser, but, um, but I am definitely getting more of the results from the exercise and enjoying it more. I think before I was exercising as a kind of punishment for the alcohol, if you know what I mean. Wow. Whereas now I think I exercise as something that I just absolutely love and enjoy. Um, I would say that I sleep so much better. I have more energy, I'm more present, I'm more um, connected to my kids. I've done a lot more work on myself um, to understand myself and what things trigger me and what doesn't. Because I think when you stop drinking, you kind of, um, one of the podcasts I listened to said they reckon that you free up about 20% of your bandwidth in your brain because you're not drinking, thinking about drinking or hungover. And so I just <laughs> feel like I have so much time. Like the weekends just kind of stretch out from 6am and this entire day to just feel doing whatever I want and never ever being hindered by feeling a bit crap because I've had too much to drink the night before. Mm. so that feels like a gift like every weekend of just having just all that time ahead um to spend doing whatever I want to do so that that's been really good I'd say it's strengthened relationships with people um that are meaningful um and I feel a deeper level of connection with them um and I just feel good about myself I feel like I'm a good role model to my kids um I've become very much more aware of my diet of what I'm eating and looking after myself um and so yeah all round I'd say that I'm um just a a more content person than I was before Hmm. it sounds like the only cost really has been that occasionally there's a sense of missing out absolutely yeah yeah um and I have to make that decision sometimes if I'm invited to something I have to weigh up do I want to go Mm. and be around all my girlfriends who might be having a few drinks and and all the rest of it and and or or am I better off just not going at all and meeting up with them a couple of days later for a nice lunch or a walk or or whatever and so I make that decision and sometimes I don't always make the right decision and sometimes I might think oh I wish I'd gone I could have still just gone for a couple of hours or sometimes I'll be sat there while a girlfriend sat next to me telling me the same story for the 15th time in an hour (laughs) and I'm like no no I should it's time to go But, but that's the good thing I've always got my car so I could always just drive home and I guess that's a bit of a reinforcement too when you do go to those occasions and you see everyone falling around being silly or saying things that are they're going to regret the next day it's probably a good reinforcement that hey I made a good decision yeah yeah absolutely and then you see all the messages the next day of how um how rubbish everyone's feeling and then and I'm like oh I've just been for a run and you know I'm at the beach so yeah it's an interesting topic and I love that you're working in this space and you know I think so many people 
don't have much else in their lives. And I remember in other than alcohol and social occasions around it. And I remember going uh, to do a job once and I met a girl who, had, who was 18. And when there was a lulling conversation, she would start talking about this awesome time when she got so drunk and so sick and so this. And I thought, is that all you got? <laughs> all yeah. she could talk about were all these famous war stories of when she'd drunk too much and vomited everywhere. And yeah, that wow, that's the conversation you've got. Yeah. You know, to me, that was a, a really important moment to say, do I want to be like that? Or I've been like that myself in the past and had that kind of a conversation. But hearing it from the other side, I thought, yeah, I think I could aspire to something better. Yeah. And that was definitely it for me as well. It was kind of like at 42 years old. I was like, what do I enjoy doing? Is that all I've got that I just like going out and getting drunk on a Saturday afternoon? Is like, is that my hobby? Like just drinking? Um, and that was definitely, um, a, you know, a question to ask myself. Mm. Um, and then since stopping drinking, it's definitely allowed me to explore the things that I, you know, love doing and, and want to do more of. I'm, you know, always been a massive reader, but now I can... You know, I'm just devouring books all the time and um, and lots of friends in my sober circles have you know some have gone taken up theatre one's gone started turn learning tap dancing people have gone back to uni that's like everyone is just having this whole new lease of life because they've suddenly got wow. energy and time that they just never had before and so I guess apart from strategies that you would help people to discover and develop I'm guessing a lot of your work is also helping people to build confidence and courage to set boundaries to help them come up with safe ways to be a little bit uncomfortable in social situations and still feel okay about not drinking and and there would be a lot of work around that area I'd imagine. There is and I think that you know as, as you will know from from working in coaching for such a long time if you're prepared for the obstacle before it happens you're halfway there already and yeah. that's what I hadn't had was the oh let's catch up when you're drinking again and, and I hadn't been prepared for any of that and so it really threw me and it really made me question oh well I should just drink then because no one wants to be friends with me anymore because I'm not drinking mm. whereas if I'd had someone say to me you might get this kind of reaction and this might happen but but people will get used to it and now no one would ever even think about saying that to me but it's just it takes a while for people to catch up with you um, and, and yeah. the journey that you're on but they do well the people that matter do and the people that don't matter it doesn't matter anyway mm. um, and so I definitely think that's an area that I would be looking to, to help people identify what the obstacles will be before they reach them so that they're better prepared to, um, to deal with them when they arrive. And it makes me think that one of the great benefits is that you become a role model for others and you help others find, if you're a non-drinker in a social situation, it's like you help others to find their voice and their courage to stand with you. If they're Absolutely. kind of feeling the same and you're saying, hey, well, I'm not drinking tonight, but I'm still going to have fun. That just yeah. might help somebody else who's been feeling the same way, right? Yeah. And there's a massive sober community online, like through Instagram and through various Facebook groups. I've met people who I've just, you know, instantly connected with and I can, I know I can reach out to them anytime. I've never met them in real life, but I've just like been on such a journey with them um, over the last 18 months or so. Um, and that's, you know, I, I think having some kind of support um, 
mm. even if it's not physical, but just knowing that there's someone there that you can send a quick message to and say, oh, this has just happened or um, mm. that, that definitely helps. Mm-hmm. And so Sarah, thank you for explaining what you're passionate about and why and what difference it's made to your life. And it's really clear to me and I hope to everyone that listens to this, how many ways people may need support and now can get support going on a journey to drink less or to stop drinking. Um, And so if people are interested in finding out more about what you do, about joining your Facebook group or getting on your email list or whatever that is, what's the best place for them to go to get in contact with you? So I'm running a challenge at the moment, Sober October, um, which is, um, I think we've got about 35, 40 people um, in the challenge. Everyone's being hugely supportive of each other. Some people have never gone more than three or four days without alcohol before. So it's their first time of doing, you know, a long stint. Others have done, you know, various challenges over the years. Um, so that's called the SLR Wellness Sober October Challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, I've on Instagram, SLR Wellness. Um, and then I've got a Facebook group called the Women's Wellbeing Collective. Um, in that group, we're looking at everything um, to do with health issues for women in their 40s. So that's looking at perimenopause, hormone imbalance, nutrition, exercise. um, And then for those that want to talk about it, um, the area of alcohol free as well. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. So lots of ways that you're available to get to know people and um, support them to get started on a journey of getting healthier. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I look hoping by 2021 that I'll be in a position to set up more of, um, you know, one-on-one coaching programs with people um, and then maybe even some group coaching. So lots of ideas in my mind about how this can go. I'd love to, I want to set up a group as well in Perth um, for women that want to socialise once a month without alcohol. So we meet up once a month, either for a coffee or a dinner um, and just, yeah, it's all just socializing and fun but just no one drinks and you don't have to be sober to go or like people don't have to be off the alcohol all the way after that you don't drink at those events mm, that's a fantastic initiative there's so many great things that you're doing sarah and i want to make sure that we get links to all of those things that i can put in the notes for this episode of the podcast so that if people want to touch base with you in person in perth or online that they can get in touch and do that because yeah. I can tell that you're doing something that's really important. There's a big gap in the market and you're very well positioned to fill it, I can tell. Yeah, no, I'm really excited. Um, and look, if any of your listeners do want to reach out to me, I love talking to people um, and I love hearing from, from people and I love supporting people. So please do if, if you do want to reach out to me at all. Excellent. Thank you so much for being here today, Sarah. Um, And I'll put all those links in the notes and hopefully some people who are on the fence thinking about their relationship with alcohol, especially in the lead up to Christmas, are going to reach out to you and have a chat. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks so much, Melanie. Thank you. Okay. See you soon. See you. Bye.